and welcome back to Victoria on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose, and I didn't go to art school, but I still love to learn about different artists. And I'm Betty. I also didn't go to art school, but I also like learning about different artists all the time. I want to start this episode by asking you, Betty, do you know anything about Ruth Adler Schnee? I do not, and I don't know if I've even heard of this person, so I am completely ignorant today. Well, that is very fun and exciting. I want to I want to follow this up with a little follow-up question. Um, I'm going to send you a picture in our show notes, and I want you uh, to tell me what this picture evokes for you. Oh, um, okay. So <clears throat> I see a bunch of fabric samples, or what I believe to be fabric samples. Um, they're like folded and swatches that are fanned across. There's, I want to say like stripy orange and yellow looking one on the left. There's one next to it that's like circles and semicircles and oval-ish patterns in purple, blue, and tan. There's another stripy yellow-ish fabric sample. And then next to it is a is similar to that circle and oval pattern except instead of purple and blue it's like yellow so yeah um and then i guess uh, the what it evokes for me is uh work <laughs> because um i i used to i used to do a lot of um like restaurant and coffee shop designs um and we we did a lot of like custom millwork and, and upholstery like you know chairs and like you know seating designs so with that we sometimes have to pick um, like fabrics. So I used to have these like piles and piles of fabric samples that look almost exactly like these um, that I would go through and choose or, or, or take out some options to show the client. Um, it's actually quite fun. It's a part of the work that I do enjoy, but um, you know, it, it was still work. <laughs> so That is so funny because Ruth Adler Schnee is probably one of the big reasons why these were the kind of fabrics that you were looking at um, for doing those design jobs. Oh, well, I, I guess. Thank you. And also, uh, you know, probably at the time I was just like, this looks nice. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I am talking about Shani today because she actually passed away in January of this year, uh, which is sad, but she was 99 years old. So she lived a very long life. Almost got to 100. Yeah. She was born on May 13th, 1923, um, and she was born in Frankfurt, Germany. Now, I believe most people listening probably just had a little alarm bell go off from <laughs> hearing that, and you're correct. Um, but so Schnee, born Ruth Adler, uh, was born into sort of like a high culture German Jewish family. Um, and so her mom was an artist. She uh, had like Bauhaus training and like really artsy circle of friends, but obviously like pretty early um, in Ruth's life, things started to go very poorly. Um, in 1937, she, she was 14 years old and she actually went to the Degenerate Art Exhibition, um, which was an exhibit that was designed by the Nazis to be like, this art is horrible and bad. But she was like, this stuff rules. Kandinsky, <laughs> love it. <laughs> I can I can kind of see that if if you're saying these samples that you're showing me is something that she either influenced or created, then I can I can see some Kandinsky in that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Not long after that point, um, in 1938, uh, very sadly, her father was actually taken to the first concentration camp, um, but very, very luckily and rarely uh, was actually released a few months later. Um, So he was not in great condition, um, but he was able to return home. And luckily, since uh, the Adlers did uh, were like relatively well connected. They were sponsored by a family in New York City, um, and they had a job promise to her father in Detroit, and so they were able to leave Germany like quite soon afterwards. Once they got to Detroit, unfortunately, that job did that was promised to them did not pan out, um, and so the entire family went to work uh, in various jobs. Um, Ruth, who was like 15, 16 at this time, worked at a bakery um, to help support her family while everyone was chipping in. Um, And then she ended up graduating from high school in 1942 and then really embarked on an artistic career from there. I mean, like I said, like she had art influence in her life from a very early age and knew pretty much right away, like, this is what I'm interested in. I am interested in art and design and I'm going to go do art and design. In 1944, uh, she studied under Walter Gropius at Harvard, and then um, where she was there on a fellowship from the Harvard Graduate School of Architecture and Design. Um, And then in 1945, she got her Bachelor's of Fine Arts from the Rhode Island School of Design. Um, And then after that point, she uh, interned in New York, and she got a Master's of Fine Arts from the Cranbrook Academy of Art in 1946, where she was one of the first ever women to graduate from this school. So in just the course of a couple years, she just like went from fellowship to internship to degree to degree. Um, and f- four years after graduating from high school, she had a bachelor's and a master's degree in fine art. Wow. Okay. Well, really puts me to shame. It's been a <laughs> billion years since I graduated high school and I'm currently working on my master's degree. But anyway. I know. She's so well accomplished. <laughs> so. And it was at Cranbrook where she first became interested in textile design, which was what would set the stage for her lifelong career. And then she made a decision that really (laughs) helped her step up her career, which is she entered into a power couple. Um, So she married Edward Schnee in 1948, who was a a Yale graduate in economics. Um, And then so they kind of joined forces with her doing the art and design and him doing the business side and opened the Adler Schnee home store in Detroit. Nice. Yeah. I read a lot of stuff about this home store that was so funny to me because basically like these were two people who were very cosmopolitan, international, like, high culture people in like the 40s in a time when it was not that easy to be <laughs> high culture international because <laughs> you know like connectivity was not there and also we're like this is like just post world war ii at this point we're like entering into we're like late 40s entering into the 50s when they're when they're doing this store um and they like they had hibachi barbecues, grills from Japan. Wow. They had like finished table settings. Um, and it, they were really trying to get people to understand these new kind of home objects. Like in a world before like HGTV and now there's a million ways to like 
develop home trends and follow up with the trends and like learn about the latest thing out of like whatever random country that's like the thing that people are doing and the thing that people have to have for their house. They're like, we're going to get all this stuff and we're going to sell to people and we're going to hold all these workshops to try to explain to people how these things work. They were making brochures about lighting. Like they were just out here really changing the game um, from this home store in Detroit. Wow. I, I'm starting to hope that um, my uh, design school teachers aren't like screaming right now because I'm hoping I'm like, I, 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 it's very possible I learned about this person <laughs> in design school, but wasn't paying attention. And they're like, she is one of the most important people that we taught you and you have never even heard of her. <laughs> but and uh, or, you know, they, they actually glossed over her because, you know, in school, I learned a lot about men um but <laughs> so that's also possible um but i was just going to say like it sounds like she's one of the people that like introduced like mid century modern to like a, a, our society is what it sounds like yes so this is the big thing that i'm building to is okay. uh ruth Schnee and her husband really were some of the driving forces um, especially in like Michigan in the Midwest. Uh, but really, like they had one of the first stores in the country that was really doing mid-century modern the way that we like when we look at it, we look at those patterns and those types of furniture and everything like they were on the cutting edge of that when it was just modern. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Ruth's real like home was in textile design. So she would design all of these prints. Um, and her husband Edward would like print them on a silk screen and they would be part of the store that they were making. Um, and uh, he, also Edward named all of the textiles apparently and they were called like <laughs> slits and slats and pins and needles and seedy weeds. <laughs> they all had cute little names. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. <laughs> I do really love that. Um, <laughs> yes, but but so she would develop all these uh, things and it's... Uh, I, a lot of this information that I'm getting is from her New York Times obituary um, that uh, was published in January. Um, and they said that she found inspiration in both the natural and built worlds. Her garden, the lit windows of skyscrapers, railroad yards, and construction sites all made their way into her designs. She dressed as boldly as her designs, favoring rich colors like red, fuchsia, and orange. And I just like have such a rich image of this person, even from that description. Yeah, totally. I'm looking at just some pictures of, of her of her designs and i'm like i feel like i've used some of this probably or like a variation of some of these patterns like again like the first ones you showed me i'm like i think that's on a chair in a coffee shop in toronto somewhere that i picked out <laughs> so yeah it's one of those things where it's hard to say like you know when something becomes so popular that it becomes cliche or just sort of even not even cliche but just like the standard of the thing that you never even think about individuals contributing to the design of it and I'm because when I see patterns like this I'm like oh yeah that's like what the world looked like in the 50s and 60s <laughs> but yeah. no like there were people that were in the that that were part of the development of those patterns and so she is one of those people <laughs> Well, th th thank you, Ruth, for your help in my work. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, her legacy lives on in coffee shops everywhere Betty goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so not only was she designing uh, fabrics and textiles within her own store, um, she was commissioned by a lot of other places uh, 
uh, to sort of contribute design to as well. Um, she contributed drapery on the Ford Rotunda in 1952. We are in Detroit, so, you know, lots of automobile stuff. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, her work was included in the General Motors uh, Technical Center. Um, her work was also in the World Trade Center. She In this era of like the 50s, 60s, um, was really sort of establishing her style and um, really thoroughly like having... I, I hate to call it a brand identity, but <laughs> to, yeah. to sort of cheapen it, a brand identity, um, and really just continued making work um, really until the end of her life. In 2011, she had a solo exhibition at the Venice Biennale. Um, she exhibited in the Smithsonian in 2012. She was just <laughs> she was just still out here doing work and exhibiting, and then in like. 2013, she signed a 20-year contract with a uh, Knoll um, for like the the selling of her original work, and she was like, "I'm 88 years old," and they were like, "It doesn't matter." <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's just the kind of person that she was, where there just was so much faith in her work um, and the enduring legacy of her work, um, even until like again the. the her her last decade of life in her 90s when I intend to either be dead or just feeding the birds um <laughs> she was still out here designing textiles I was just talking to someone about this recently and this is like I guess you can either look at this in a positive or negative way but um a lot of like designers like you know interior designers and architectural designers work until they're like dead <laughs> Because whenever uh, recently, like I like whenever I hear about like, you know, architects who like pass away um, or like interior designers who are retiring uh, slash that they retire and then they pass away very soon. They're usually like 90 or like 95 or like 100. (laughs) But in a way, I can kind of understand because like and again, I feel very lucky that. I really do enjoy my work and and it's probably one of those things where like as I approach retirement age like right now I'm thinking oh I would love to retire I just you know working <laughs> is so hard but there might come there might be a point or or there likely is a point for a lot of designers where you're just like I love this like I don't want to stop doing this <laughs> like this is great so I'm hoping that's the reason that these people are working so much, not because they're like, not because they have to, but. Yeah, you know. it could really go either way with artists sometimes. Yeah. So uh, honestly, she just seems like she was probably a very interesting person who lived a very interesting life. Um, and I now have added another link to the show notes that has uh, a whole kind of retrospective of representative designs that she did um, from the Henry Ford Foundation, (laughs) henryford.org. Because as I mentioned, like uh, the Henry Ford Museum, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Which makes sense because, again, she was a Michigan based and did work uh, with with Ford. Um, and so they have this whole digital collection of, of sets of her work. Um, and so I have a couple that I wanted to sort of briefly maybe dive into and talk about. I want to give you a chance to give you a minute first to, to look at everything and see if there's anything that also catches your eye immediately. 
I'm not sure which ones were out of the ones that you chose to do a deeper dive into, but I do want to talk a little bit about what I know now is called fish and chips, which is the the circles and ovals and half semicircles that I saw earlier that you showed. Oh my god, you said fish and chips. I heard fish and chips, and I was yeah. like, I'm not seeing that one. Yeah, I, <laughs> after I said it, I I heard it, and I'm like. I mean, I meant fishing, like nuclear, not fish and. <laughs> I assume that's the joke. Like, I think that's probably the bit of it, but I it, it got me. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I kind of, I, like all of these are, are just so interesting. And, and, and they again, they, they seem, I'm looking at all of them like, I'm like, I have seen these before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think one thing that caught, yeah, caught my eye too is like seedy weeds, like, um, I just feel like again I've seen that before, and and I, I feel like these are some of these these are either they're like these really simple organic shapes, or a lot of these look very industrial, like almost kind of suitable fitting for car manufacturing. <laughs> I want to say, yeah, absolutely. You actually just pulled attention to one of the ones that. I liked the most, which is CD Weeds. Mm, yeah. Um, and so this is a 1953 design. And th- this, I think, is one of the most naturalistic of all of her designs. Because, um, like you said, like a lot of them do have natural shapes. But this one like has all these little mushrooms. Um, and it's, it's yellows and oranges, which uh, are like uh, – there's a lot of those colors in nature – uh, there's tiny little suns, and then there's all these like signs that they, they kind of like flowers growing out of the bottom, but they're uh, angular, so they look like tiny little billboards, billboard <laughs> flowers. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I think it's interesting because if you like, I scroll down a little bit and I see a blue and purple version of CD weeds, which it is like literally the same patterns the like the flower patterns um but in you know in a in a cool color and so it looks like snowflakes or you know it, it yeah it looks like snowflakes and little like tiny ice like crystals or something and it it works both in a like natural flower field look as well as a like wintry snow snowflake uh, atmosphere by just you know changing the color scheme yeah it looks like th- this one was inspired by her own personal garden and it looks like the same garden in the fall versus the winter and then in contrast to that i also want to talk about central park south um, which was designed in the same year 1953 and this i think is one of the pinnacles of the more angular designs that she does while having the same really similar color scheme which is like oranges on or really i think it's all just one shade of orange um on top of a of an off white and all of it is just these tiny little squares that it like it kind of looks like you know when you play battleship and so you're putting your little pegs down. And <laughs> yeah. so some of them have like three or four in a row. And some of them are just one. And then there's like twos. So it has that vibe. Um, and then there's also like little X's that are in the same way. Like sometimes there's just one X or there's like a whole little line of X's. Um, but it's also it's all uh, symmetrical on the vertical axis. The X's are the battleships that have been destroyed. And oh. like sunk. sunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, absolutely. You know what this reminds me of? And I'm not sure if you're going to mention it. It reminds me of Broadway Boogie Woogie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is Central Park, so it's I, it's New York. It's close to Broadway. And um, I mean, I, I, I would be shocked if she didn't know about that painting at the time. <laughs> yes. I feel like there are real similarities between... Shani's uh, sort of more architectural work and Mondrian's work as well. Like, especially even with the title of like the Central Park South um, reminds me of like some of the titles of Mondrian paintings as well. Yeah. And then I think in one of her other designs on that Henry Ford um, page is uh, Construction, which has, which looks like it could be like, you know wire frames and like uh structures on a on a building but it's got that grid like pattern that looks like an upside down mondrian painting <laughs> or right side up who knows <laughs> yeah and it comes from like a very similar source of inspiration as well because a lot of Shani's original training was in architecture um and so i like even when she moved on to her primary career of textile design, you still have like all of these architecturally inspired elements um, that evoke like the same ideas and lines as Madrian's like city street uh, <laughs> illustrations, interpretive illustrations. And then you pointed out the fish and chips, mm-hmm, fish and mm-hmm. space, fish and chips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I feel like is, um, such there's something about this design that is so quintessentially representative of that era of like the 50s early 60s kind of vibe this is a 57 design um because you have it's just blues and greens um and these sort of vertical lines of pattern of circles half circles lines so they do kind of look some of them kind of look like fish. I see where they got that. And the other thing I was wondering is if it's uh, like if there was that direct reference to nuclear fission because it's circles being split into semicircles. Are they are they talking about splitting an atom? Ooh. And, and this is the fifties, so it's it's very know. relevant. <laughs> yeah, so I I can see that inspiration as well uh, which you know again that if that was a reference that didn't age very well but <laughs> but the um don't say that man <laughs> it could it could be aged really well at any moment you never that's know that's true nuclear power i mean we don't need to get into that this is that's not the topic of this podcast about what energy generation is best for the world but anyway um yeah so that that is a that could be what it's a part of what it's alluding to but i will just say like i think this particular pattern is one of those things that we were mentioning earlier that is so like timeless and even like at this point you ubiquitous like i would have just looked at that and be like yeah that's just the, the that's just the textile pattern that's just like a standard like textile pattern you can pick for a chair or or maybe it comes with the chair i don't know <laughs> walk into any bed bath and beyond yeah <laughs> and that's your shower curtain <laughs> like... 
I think it's so funny to talk about designs like this and artists like this, especially in a time when I feel like like uh, styles are so cyclical. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, it's there's very much like a 70s revival going on. Um, but I feel like there's a general interest uh, in reviving like 2000 styles in a different way. It's interesting. There's like a 70s things going on. There's like a Y2K thing going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I also think we're at this point now that people are do- looking at like different chunks of styles and trying to bring them into a contemporary style. And one of those is this idea of mid-century modern. I don't know mm-hmm. about anyone else, but I was in an art museum the other day and they had a mid-century modern like furniture display. And I was mm-hmm. like, this stuff rules. I want this to be in my house. Yeah. Because there's something about something that is so dated that it comes back all the way around to kind of being timeless because it's so of a time, but that time is long enough away that everyone knows you're doing it on purpose. Yeah, totally. I'm such a sucker for mid-century modern styles. You know, I I would totally live in like a Eames house type of situation. You know, like actually I was just looking at pins and needles actually. And um, again, I know Schnee named it pins and needles, but I see a bunch of people. I don't know about you. Like the, I see like the little tiny triangles I think are, could be heads. And then the inverted triangle could be like shoulder and like leg like I see an abstraction of like a bunch of people and and parts of it also looks like it could be a bunch of people wearing hats like just standing on a street and and I and something about that like just yeah also evokes that time for for some reason like I don't know it's it's um yeah like I I don't see you can it could be pins and needles but I see like a crowd of people from this particular um, fabric design, but again, it, you know, it's it's art and it's probably abstract, and you can probably see whatever you want. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that though. I can totally see what you're talking about um, in these little like triangle people shapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that could be a crowd. Yeah, I actually think that note about the possibilities of different art interpretation, even in something that is seemingly so straightforward as you know, like consumer textile design um it's a really good place to end this episode so thanks so much for learning a little bit about uh ruth adler schnee with me no problem thank you for teaching me something that i either didn't pay attention to in school (laughs) or they just glossed all over in school because she wasn't one of these dudes wow (laughs) really makes you think (laughs) yeah (laughs) so all right. Uh, thanks, everybody out there for listening. You can find our show notes and links to everything we talked about today at relay.fm slash pictorial. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at pictorialpod. And you can find me on Instagram at Quinsta Rose. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at ArticulationsV. And I'm also on YouTube as Articulations. And speaking of YouTube, you can also find our channel on YouTube as Pictorial Podcasts, where we upload uh, some of our older episodes uh, into video format. And for this one, I think it will be very enjoyable for you to look at some beautiful patterns. Thanks for listening, Art Enthusiasts.